First Peter chapter three, verses thirteen through twenty-two. Now, who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated, but in your hearts sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, all righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and the powers made subject to him. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Doing good always sounds like one of the things that should be incredibly easy to do. And it seems like one of those things that we should just be able to go, oh, well, doing good, I, of course I want to do what's good. Why would I want to do what's evil? I always want to do the right thing. The problem is that sometimes we get a little muddled on what's good because we start thinking of it not as what's good for God and what's good for God's people. But we start thinking about what's good for me. And those often don't line up. We would like them to, but it's hard to make them line up sometimes. Because we want to think, oh, well, I take care of myself, then everything will be good. And... If I'm looking out for myself, then I'm going to need money to take care of myself, and I should probably have some saved up. And we start thinking about how much we need to have saved up, and maybe we need a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And then we start thinking, well, if I need to make sure I can take care of myself, then I'm going to need to make sure I take care of all those things around me, and I have to have money to pay for it, and soon we're not giving anymore. Soon we are so focused on building up wealth and storing things and making sure that we are protecting all of our things. We stop thinking about what is good in God's eyes. And we start thinking about what feels good for us. And suddenly we're not doing what is good. And it's easy to slip into. And it's so easy because of the fact that we are born into a world that values worldly things. 
We are born into a world that values wealth. So when we see the people who make it on to magazine covers, who make it into the news, that's people who are considered successful because they have built up so much wealth that they would never have to work another day in their lives. People who can buy mansions, have a dozen cars, people who are so successful that they buy out companies and they mash them together and people lose jobs because somebody is looking for a way to pad their wallet just a little bit more. And these are the people we celebrate. We watch TV shows about people who live in mansions and people who have nothing better to do than to be followed around by cameras watching every silly adventure they have. You know, I've seen a lot of reality TV, but the one show I don't think I've ever seen is somebody who is quite simply going around and just doing good things for people for no reason other than they're good. Sometimes we see people be rewarded because they feel that somebody is doing something and they deserve a reward for it. Sometimes we'll see where people can compete and whoever does the best gets a reward. But have we ever seen somebody just going about and saying, here, I don't know if you need this or not, but I'm giving you this gift. Take it. Because I care. But in the end, isn't that doing good? Isn't that what God asks us to do? To take what we have and to not think about who deserves more and who deserves less. Who deserves love and who doesn't? But God asks us to care. He asks us to care about each and every one of his children. And to take care of them by doing good. And part of that is because every time that we are given any sort of rules, any time that we are given any sort of commandments to keep, if we follow them, it leads us to good. Because sometimes it keeps us from getting distracted. We're told not to build up wealth for ourselves because when we build up wealth, we start losing track of what God's mission is and we stop caring about other people because we are so busy caring about our things. We're told not to steal. Because it means that we are taking something from somebody else and we are taking their peace. We are taking what doesn't belong to us. And you know, there are a lot of thieves running about right now. And one of the things that I think I see stolen more than anything else is the truth. We don't often think about the truth being something that can be stolen. But how often do we hear somebody try to wrap a lie 
and hang a few tiny little facts on it so they can hide the lie. Happen we have somebody who only gives us part of the story because they want us to believe whatever it is that they need us to believe instead of giving us the truth. If we're going to do what is good, it means we also need to be able to do it in all truth and all goodness. And part of that is having a good defense. Now sometimes we don't think about this in the right way, in my opinion. And that's because sometimes we think about as a way to cut people down and to say, oh, well, you are wrong and I am right and this is my defense. But a good defense of your hope and your faith with gentleness and reverence. A good defense is something that you can proclaim and you can show without having to cut anyone down. Because it stands on its own. But part of that means knowing truth and knowing in your heart why you have hope. Now, I know I have hope for a multitude of reasons. <clears throat> but for me, it boils down to this. I have seen the good that comes from knowing God. I have seen the good that comes from doing good for others. That the Lord has given me the strength to turn my life around. And that when God lets me reach out to people in love and in kindness and in mercy, I can give them a hope in tomorrow and a future built on peace, not built on lies. A future built on respect and not hate. That God strengthens me to help people know that they will never be alone. And that is something I can always have hope in and always have faith in. That God lets us work together and be together in Christ. Because we were never supposed to do this alone. And because I have seen what God can do through God's people and for God's people. When they act together. When they act in love. And when they act in mercy. That people who have no hope are given hope. People who have nothing to believe in have something to believe in that makes life worth living. I see that and I know that God is there. I see that and I know. That's my defense. I have lived it. I have felt it. And I don't have to go point for point with somebody who doesn't believe me because I can defend what I believe without having to cut anybody else down. Because my God, to me, is the God of all people. And if God loves all of his children, whether they have strayed far from them or are right there with God, if God loves them all, 
then I should be able to reach them all in love and kindness because God loves each and every one of them. God tells us that we should love our enemies because God loves them. That if we are asked to suffer, it's because we are asked to have pity on the people who make us suffer. We are to have mercy on those who would treat us unfairly. Because they don't truly understand what they're doing. So often we want to get revenge. We want to one-up somebody so that we can say, well, you may be against me, but I am stronger than you and I have more power than you. And we start following our own desires instead of doing what is good in God's eyes. And it's important at this point to remember that Christ gave us not only an example of how to live, how to treat one another, how to love your neighbor as yourself, but Christ's example is there. Christ's example extends to when he was mistreated by others. That he did not condemn them. That he did not forsake them. That he did not seek revenge. And this too is an example for us. We may have known at one point that it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But now we know that there's something greater than that. There's something greater than taking from somebody when they take from you. It's understanding that they don't understand. But truly, how could anyone actually understand what they're doing if they're doing something that we know to be wrong? If we can't understand that when people do what is not good, it is done out of ignorance of not knowing what is good. If somebody hurts you because they don't have that hope and love in their hearts that Christ gives us, how can we expect them to know how to do what is good unless we give them an example of what is good? And how we respond. That we don't respond with anger. Because God asks us to care for one another, even when they're difficult, so that we may instruct them and teach them about what is good. Because we don't want them to be alone either. They have been isolated and cut off from God because of their own ideas. Because of their own sorrows. Is it good to push them away even more? Or would God want us to invite them in to say, look, I don't agree with what you have done, but I believe you can be more. Because God believed in me that I could be more. 
And I took all of those things, the hates and the worries, the anxieties. I took them and I nailed them to that cross. I nailed them to that cross so that I could let go of them, that I could live a life in God. Because every time that we pick up those anxieties and we start to think about them, they multiply. We take a worry and suddenly we have two worries. And we start thinking about those and suddenly we have eight. And suddenly we've got a dozen. And suddenly we have more worries than we have to do with and all we're doing is worrying. But if I take that worry and I hang it up and instead I take up that hope. That even though I don't know what's coming tomorrow, I have faith that God will see me through. Even if someone wrongs me, I will love them. Because if God's going to see me through, God's going to see them through. And if God's going to see them through, then maybe, just maybe, I should be doing all I can to help them make it through with God. Because I know I have something that not everybody has. I have assurance. I have assurance that I can do good. I have assurance that my life means something. I have assurance that I am never alone. Because I live in Christ. And when I live in Christ, resurrected from a life of sin, not only am I with Christ, but I am with all of my brothers and sisters in Christ. That truly I never face anything alone again. And even in my times of great weakness, I can find strength because others have strength for me. That God will strengthen me because everything is possible with God. I have hope against all hope. And if God has given me that, I have to do what is good. Because if I do what is not good, I am denying my hope in Christ. So I do what is good and what is right for God. Because I know all that God has already done for me. More than I can ever repay. And I know how much I have. Because God has placed me with his people. If I suffer a little so that others may live, let me suffer a little. If I face hardships so that others may find the hope and the peace that I have, let me face hardships. Because I know that no matter what, I won't face them alone. And if I'm not facing them alone, then I have all hope that I will see it through to the other side. Stronger. Better off for what I have seen. Better off for what God has done for me. And better off for knowing. Knowing that I have helped to reach God's children. 
and that I help to spread that hope that I so believe in. Every day, every chance, when I do what is right, and when I do what is good for my God. Amen.